ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. It's getting to that time of the year where Saturday mornings are dark, frosty and cold. And no matter how much you love your local sport, how many of us are willing to spend our spare time on a wet, muddy sideline volunteering? Jeremy Story Carter, good morning. Good morning. Jeremy, we all know how much you love your local footy. This is true. And clubs, are, and not just football clubs, but all grassroots sporting clubs, they're only as strong as their volunteers. And most local clubs, they need a lot of volunteers in order to run. This is true, and it remains true, but... You are starting to see some concerning signs sort of trickling around community sporting clubs. I mean, I'm really lucky in my job and in my life. I get to travel around the state and spend a bit of time around country sporting clubs. And they're really special places and they are filled with special characters. But for particularly the small clubs, it can be a real slog. And the responsibility often falls too heavily on too few people. And at the same time, this thing seems to have happened where the demands seem to have increased. So somehow... For a lot of clubs, there's almost more admin involved than ever. And this is when, particularly in smaller communities, there just aren't necessarily enough families to sustain that sort of workload. And this is an issue not just for regional and rural areas, but for suburban clubs everywhere. Mm. I mean, we have, from the beginning of time of local sport, relied on volunteers to make them run. Team managers, presidents, secretaries, the canteen, I don't know, washing jumpers. The person that ends up with an overflowing car boot full of balls and bottles. So the one that ferries people to and from games. But why are less of us doing this? Is it just that we don't want to help out for free? Is it that we're too time poor? Is it just not as fun anymore? And what are the future of some of these clubs if we don't have those volunteers? So how do we attract and retain volunteers in community sport? Is it just that the same few people are stepping up and helping out? How do we share the load and ensure that local sports clubs can thrive and survive? This is the Conversation Hour. Local sporting clubs, whether it be basketball, soccer, football, netball, you name it, rely on volunteers. But it turns out less and less people are throwing their hand up to help out for free. So why is that? And I don't think there's one straight answer, Jeremy. I think it's very different depending on the club. Geography comes into it. Time management comes into it. Admin comes into it. They are places that actually tell us a lot about the health of our communities going on around us. So, you know, it might be in an inner city area. It might be a place to see that actually people are being, you know, a little, they are a little bit more time poor or they're, they're not necessarily enjoying having that extra admin workload when so much of our lives and our careers sort of bleed into our personal time. And at the same time, in regional areas, it can often be a bit of a weather vane for the health of that town itself. So if you don't have a lot of families involved in a club, if you don't have a lot of volunteers, often that can augur some pretty tough conversations for that town uh, itself. I was actually a while back, um, I was doing a story about something unrelated to this and someone texted me afterwards telling me I should do a story about um, the amount of admin involved in 
local sport. And that's, you know, whenever you get a text like that, you know, oh, that's interesting. And basically um, this text has said, the workload to keep a club alive is ridiculous. And it's felt by many clubs across our league and around the state. Something needs to change or more clubs will end up folding. That was just out of the blue. And I've had more conversations since then. Uh, so I think it is it is pretty telling. Are you struggling to get volunteers at your local club? Or maybe you have volunteered in the past and now you think, I can't do it anymore. And what are the reasons behind that? Narelle's in East Bentley. Good morning, Narelle. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Good. Do you volunteer at your local club? Yeah, so I am the secretary of my local football club and I'm also on the junior committee for the local cricket club. Um, So I do quite a lot of volunteering. And I happen to be from a family where my siblings also volunteer a lot for community sports. Um, And I guess we have trouble in our football club and cricket club finding volunteers and the ones who do volunteer are always the same people. But I think there's a bit about family culture that comes into play. Um, my parents always volunteered. And so my siblings and I just expect and understand that that's what has to happen. Um, that's interesting. It's so passed down. Yeah. But it's interesting as yeah. well because not, you know, particularly in smaller towns, uh, we want new new families maybe without those um those sort of traditions with the, within clubs uh, to move in and, and become part of it, but I wonder how do we how do we make clubs a, a more um, attractive or more sort of viable place to you know for new people to come and volunteer in? Yeah, I think um, one thing that we do with our football club is we hold a lot of events and try and um, you know we celebrate volunteers. We have a, a quite an active recognition of the effort that volunteers put yep. in. Um, you know, football is a very volunteer-intensive sport, so every team requires mm. um, four permanent volunteers and then every game day we need another four or five just one-off volunteers. Yeah, good to hear from you, Narelle. Thank you. You texts on this already, Jeremy mm. Story Carter. It says the answer is simple. It's because it's no longer fun. There are too many rules. It's too PC. I can't have a joke. It's become boring and mundane. And Matty says, Rish and Jeremy, I live in Aspendale. We have one of the most amazing humans in our community. I won't mention his name, but it's possibly Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in the CFA, the SES, the junior footy, the senior footy and netball club, much more. He's an amazing human being. And I bet you there's a heap of Joes. Yes. Right, where as for as much as people say there's that one domineering person and they've made it not fun anymore, there will be Joes out there that without Joe, yep. you're in strife. 100%. And they take on about five different jobs in the one. I do think this is an interesting text regarding hockey. Uh, there's basically a complaint around the profession, professionalisation of volunteers. So the expectation that clubs, you know, to run professionally mm. um, have to do it without really funding. And I think that's a really tricky thing. Uh, it's almost like the more modern we become as leagues, uh, the more the expectation is on individuals to run almost yeah, as professionals, but you're just a volunteer and you're kind of just trying to chip in on a weekend. That's right. And then it be, it feels like work. You know, it doesn't feel like volunteering and fun. Let's have a chat to Joe. Joe's in Anglesey. Hi, Joe. Uh, yes, hello. It's um, another Joe, but not quite as good as the other Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, um, I, I'm involved in a sport and, and I see volunteers running away but from the um, administrative tasks that are expected, um, you know, feeding information in when once the paid staff at Head Bodies would do it, new platforms are arriving, the technology is getting, you know, harder for some. 
um, and really standing on the sideline on a freezing cold Saturday morning is easy compared to all the um, all the all the responsibility and the admin, all those extra tasks that people take their homework home now um, more than ever, and I and it's killing it's killing the fun of sport because and so do you need much. you almost need admin skills like high level skills in order oh, to volunteer definitely. I'd be hopeless at it Joe. you know I'm not no, good with yes. Excel spread and all those things <laughs> I know and I've agreed with every text everything that's come in this morning in a very real sense and I am the same in techno I'm, I'm do anything and have done for a long time and have our whole committee but people have to, people work more now, so there's less yep. people who are home. You know, during all those things were started when people were home with their kids and went back to work later. That's changed, and we know that. But the the requirements need pretty good tech technology. Yeah, yeah, that's it. There's so many things. And I think, yeah, when we have these um, devices in your pocket, which means that at, you know, 7.30 on a Wednesday night, you can be getting a text from your boss or on a Saturday, someone just decides to send in a big old email. You already have that sort of work bleed. And then if you've got a, um, you know, a club throughout the week that feels sort of similar to that, that can be a little bit of a stress too. Uh, Rob is in beautiful Fish Creek. Rob, what did you want to share with the conversation? Oh, look, I've always held the view that any semi-government or government-paid position should not be held by anybody who hasn't done any volunteering. Mm. Um, I, I think it's a prerequisite, quite frankly, to do some bona fide work, and uh, and that's a prerequisite for for any semi-government so position. So you want to see that valued as a um, almost a, a CV sort of resume line item? Oh, excellent. Yeah, I, I think it, it should be in there. Definitely. I, you know, we were talking about this off air, Rob, about whether or not it is valued by employers, potential employers. If, you know, Rob in Fish Creek, you've done X amount of hours over the years volunteering, whether that's seen as a, you know, as a really good prerequisite going into a job. I know I would look on it incredibly favourably. You raise a really good point, Rob. Thank you. This it says, I'm vice president of a small netball club. It's impossible to get people on the committee, volunteer for association barbecues. It's always the same people who put their hands up. Irony is that most complaints come from people who have nothing to do with the club. I think technology over the years has made people more self-absorbed and consequently show less interest in what is actually going on around them. So is your local club struggling to get volunteers? How much do you rely on volunteers? And are you stepping away from volunteering? And what's the reason behind it? This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt and Jeremy Story Carter, who's a part of the National Regional Reporting Team with you, we're looking at the health of local sporting clubs. Is it about the volunteers without volunteers is the health of your club is it not in great shape this i'm a secretary of a swimming club i spend easily 20 hours a week we have paid coaches we aren't essentially we are essentially running a small business we've got mm. 36 families 15 17 different roles some big some small these are being done by just eight of the families implementing new child safe regulations is taking up 10 hours per week just on its own that is a lot. Those are basically entire jobs that you're adding on to your, your work life. That is quite extraordinary. Now, somebody who knows a little bit about all of what we're talking about is Nadia Edwards. She's formerly uh, the Upper Murray League's operation manager and committee member of the Koryong Football and Netball Club. Nadia, thank you so much for joining us on the Conversation Hour today. 
Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. It's been really good actually listening to the show this morning and getting everyone's feedback. Yeah, and look, I we we are obviously going down a little bit of a uh, not a complaint session, but sort of pointing out some of the problems. But I'm a little bit of a hopeless romantic when it comes to country sports. So before we get all doom and gloom, can you give us a picture of what on a good day, you know, maybe there's a bit of meek sunshine shining in and. You know, there's cars backed up to the ground, all the basketballs are bouncing inside the stadium. Like, what everything looks like and feels like on a good match day Saturday and what it means to the town? Yeah. So, on a good match day Saturday, you're right, you'll have lots of cars rolling in. You'll have the canteen full, people um, ordering lots of food. And then later on the day, people going to the bar to have a social drink. You've got players there that are getting in and dirty and, you know, getting that, you know, that competitive vibe happening, but then afterwards coming together as clubs to actually socialise. Um, so that that's a good day. And But to get your good day, you've actually got to have those volunteers to operate. Yeah. And um, that's the thing, because most of us are enjoying, you know, that smell of the grass being turned up and then a hot pie mm. or whatever it may yeah. be. But there's yeah. a lot of work yeah. going on behind the scenes. And I know, Nadia, you've been involved in local sport for a long time. Has this been a long time coming? You know, has this just been a slow chip away of less and less people throwing up their hand. Has this been a concern for some time? Uh, It has been a concern for a fair while and so much so that we've actually had in our league uh, one of our clubs go into recess, which was Federal Football Netball Club. Um, And they've been there, just to be clear, they've been a a, a club for, what, 130 years? Yes, yes, a long time, um, you know, as long as Coryong's been there. Um, So uh, I'm talking Coryong Football Netball Club. So we've um, the two local clubs, Kajiwar and Koryong, have actually been able to um, retain some people. Others have gone to the TDFL. So when we're talking about volunteers, it's really been quite good for Kajiwar and Koryong in that sense that they've actually been able to pick up new players, both in netball and football, and get some new volunteers. I saw new names on the uh, canteen roster this oh, week, which I haven't seen. <laughs> so that is good. But I guess the thing I find, um, I've had a league role and I have a club role and I've got other roles in the community as well as being a mum and a teacher. Um, one big shift for us was uh, I said, I'm going on long service leave. So someone is going to have to mm. actually do some of these jobs. But the thing that's really tricky then is I have to relinquish some of my power And that's really hard as well as a volunteer because it's sometimes much easier just to say, I'll do it myself, I'll get it done Mm. because you know you're going to get it done very quickly. So for me, it's been very interesting as I now have to spend time mentoring and putting in that extra time to mentor well for all these people to do the roles. But in actual fact, I've found that when you mentor well, um, these people are learning and are quite happy to take on a very, very small role. And you're right, admin is very stressful in, in the sporting oh, it world certainly now. Is. So. And I love the idea of mentoring and I don't know how many people think of mentoring as a role within volunteering and you sort of do at some point need to pass the baton on don't you Nadia and you need people there that are willing to do that and yes you might find and that will be a credit to yourself that it will take three or four people to do the job that you were doing on your own Mm. 
but but to be able to mentor someone, and I wonder whether we're losing that too. There's nothing better, you know. We heard Joe before that is a legend mm. at a local club. Someone that's there, that's been there for a long time. Yes, it's great to have that one person, but you need to be able to ensure that if you Nadia or Joe's not there, that things will still run, that it won't fall in a heap. Yeah, and I think that's why mentoring is important. And you've actually got to think of your people's skill sets. And you sometimes don't want to ask people because we're so afraid of getting that no. But then on the other hand, we have to look and say, well, maybe that person wants to be involved and come in, but they are looking on the outside in going, oh, this committee is well run. There's no place for me. Well, there's always a place. And sometimes you do have to ask and, you know, suss out and say, would you be interested? And and like I said, it takes time to mentor, but actually providing that service, I guess, and backing mm. them up and being there and saying, hey, I'm not available for the canteen today because I've got an important role of mentoring the future of the club. Mm. Like you have to actually speak up sometimes and say, say that, that you can't be available because of that new role or whatever. Yeah. And it yeah. is, it, it remains uh, a cliche that uh, country sporting clubs are the heart and soul of, of the community, but it also remains true. And, and at the same time, I, I sort of feel like at the moment, uh, we can gauge the health of some small towns mm. uh, through how the the local sporting club is going. Have has, what's been happening in in and around the league and with some of the clubs led to bigger conversations or even questions about the health of of some of you know the communities in your area? Yeah, well, I'll just actually give an example from Saturday. Uh, the Coryong Football Netball Club um, took on. We had um, Tumbarumba who are a New South Wales club that were within our league, and they visited, and we had a ferret racing night, and it was absolutely wonderful. Um, Tumbarumba stayed behind for dinner and participated in the, the ferret racing. So I really liked that feel because although you're competitive during the day, you're out on the court or the field, you know, having that rough and tumble, it was just so good that you could come back to it afterwards and go, hey, we're actually all in this together, trying to make our league survive. And, you know, they joined in on the night and created a massive atmosphere, which I have not heard in the, (laughs) we've got a fairly new building. It was roaring with um, excitement. So I walked away that night, even though the night before our footy club had done the dead ball, the bar and packed up, you know, we left at 1am and by Saturday night pooped, but I left actually feeling this is wonderful to be in this position. Yeah. So, you know, and then you hope that people can take away from that and go, I want to be involved in a club like that. Nadia, yeah. they're very lucky to have you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's Nadia Edwards, who's actually the former Upper Murray League Operation Manager and Community Member for Coryong Footy and Netball Lots Club. Lots of hats. So many hats. I would struggle to wear one of those hats. Many texts on this as to why people do or don't volunteer. This is from James in Brighton. I've been involved in our local suburban bowls for over 40 years. Dealing with local government officials is the biggest pain. Most are not part of our local community and have no understanding of what we do and what's involved. Another saying there are three types of people in clubs. Those who don't need to be asked and will always put their hand up. Those who will help but need to be told. And those who are the largest group and do absolutely nothing. Rathinkers in Ringwood. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I I am a migrant uh, from uh, migrated twenty five years ago uh, with two young boys. At I mean, sorry, now they are uh, 
seniors, but I've been part of a lot of clubs in uh, footy and cricket in uh, Victoria. And I thought, you know, volunteering uh, for these sort of clubs uh, introduced me to a lot of families that um, I, I start to feel that um, Victoria mm. is my place to live. And also, you know, like um, uh, currently I'm holding a, a high um, responsible job as well as I, I did all my academic here in um, Melbourne. So while um, during the earlier time, um, I used to go to all these uh, grounds and do volunteer work and then do my studies or do oh, something. Wow. You can manage your time very well. And what was your volunteer role, Rathinka, at your local sports club? So uh, earlier days, I used to volunteer in the kitchen um, with, um, you know, uh, managing the teams because I'm good with Excel and every, uh, you know, Excel, you know, it's helped um, the admin work. But what I wanted to say is uh, last Saturday, um, at the Boxer North, Super Kings uh, awarded me with best club person. Sorry, currently I'm tested positive for oh, uh, wow. COVID. That's why my voice is a bit shaky. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. And to be rewarded and recognised for that work as well, I think is so important because a lot of the vibe that's coming through on the text line, Jeremy, is that it's not recognised. Yeah. People don't recognise so how much work. a lot of hours work. that go in, but a lot of them end up feeling unseen, even if they are um, somehow recognised. But it's it's so important to do that and to find ways to celebrate it um, because, yeah, too often it's just uh, very unseen and unrewarded work. This message, I couldn't agree more that the health of our local sporting club does depend on their volunteers. Always the same people sacrificing for their local club. Not to mention some of the incidental experiences expenses that occur as well. Unfortunately, sometimes these volunteers do so and they have their own agenda rather than the club. I also believe the decline of the health of our clubs is a consequence of some parents in the community and their attitude. And that idea that it's not fun anymore, that we bring our work hat, you know, we treat everything like a job, even on a sporting level, that's filtering through as a really strong message. That's a real thing. And if you get a uh, email that is maybe got 12 people CC'd in on it, and it's aggressive. Starts, it has that sort of formal, slightly aggressive tone to it, and it's demanding certain things. You're like, wait, hang on, this feels a bit way too much like work. And suddenly you you would be within your eyes to think, oh, I want to back away from this. Yeah. So as much as we can draw on people's passion and people's um, connectedness and wanting to contribute to be something part of something bigger, uh, there is probably a threshold for a lot of people. This is the Conversation Hour. From basketball, netball, soccer, hockey, lawn bowls, you name it, they rely on volunteers to keep running. How important is it to have a healthy, what's a collective of volunteers? I was going to say a bevy of volunteers. Is there a technical co- you know, for a collective of volunteers? Yeah, uniform. A gaggle. Of, yeah, don't know. A bunch. Anyhow, whatever they are, you need they're a very, lot of them. You need yeah. a lot of them. Maybe there's not one because it often is just one or two people. <laughs> That's it. A, a couple of yeah, volunteers. Yeah, a couple, maybe. Quite literally. Dominic 
Pear is the president of Loxton Amateur Basketball Association Committee. Dominique, welcome to the conversation hour. We're talking a lot about footy and netball, but it's all sporting codes. Basketball as well. I know my husband is just a coach of a local uh, basketball club and there's a lot of work outside of rocking up and, and coaching the kids. Do you rely on just one or two? Yeah, absolutely. We, um, as a basketball association here in Loxton, we have in the past season had 400 close to 400 kids playing and we need um volunteers to coach to organize to do absolutely everything and and we rely on them quite heavily um and it's and just just to point out i'm I'm the president of the basketball association i have no idea about basketball and yet i was elected (laughs) as president for the second term so i must be doing something right i I just think just like to point out that you you don't need to know much about the sport so yeah um, in that same vein i um i volunteered to run water for footy on um saturday mornings and um that slowly turned into a team manager which is a horrendous job mind you and um (laughs) And, you know, and there was talk of me becoming president of that as well. And I thought, no, hang on, let's just just settle down here. But um, if you put your hand up to volunteer, you will be taken up. And I think it's good um, because we we need to remember that community is is coming together um, in a sporting group or in a a hobby type situation. Everyone needs to come together and be recognised. And volunteering is the best way to do that. Mm. And if any, if COVID has taught us anything, we need that social interaction and that recognition in the community. And I think that's kind of slowly dying off. I think you're, you're, um, it's such an important thing to dwell on a little bit because we really did have that yearning for community and connectedness. And actually, there's some research that we'll touch on later that suggests that you know COVID only amplified people's desire to be. Uh, connected in their local sporting clubs, but at the same time maybe aren't appreciating the uh, the things that are involved to make them work or don't necessarily have your uh, can-do attitude. Uh, I That idea of I'm not skilled at something uh, or I don't know how this works uh, and therefore maybe I shouldn't put my hand up to do this, how often is that a factor in um, yeah, parents and members of I'm the community? I'm guilty of it. Yeah. Like I've, I'll say, oh, I don't know how to run the scoreboard. Maybe I should well, just I- learn, you know? I think also um, when Nadia was talking about mentoring, I think that should be sort of written into the um, into the process of volunteering that you will be mentored. That way, um, you know, you can come in green and be taught along the way. And I, I think if it's part of the system, you'll know eventually that you will be good at whatever it is. And if it's just a role such as a, a treasurer, well, I don't know anything about money, but you can split that role up if you needed to. You know, if there's three people that are willing to do the one job, that suddenly changes. And I think that's where um, our volunteering sort of needs to uh, change and, you know, adapt to the surroundings. So, you know, who, who knows? There, there could be 10 volunteers uh, running a club one year, could be 20 the next, but doing the same thing, only just spread out over, over uh, more people. Has it always taken so much time and effort? Have we somehow made it more complicated? I mean, there are texts here that say, at my local club, I'll put in on average five hours a night, four days plus game day. So that's over 18 hours a week. Has it always been this way, do you reckon, Dominic? I don't think so. I think um, that person, for instance, is one of those people that says I'll do it myself. So you know, it's the relinquishing of 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 positions um, to have other people help. You know, 
even if it's only just a little bit, um, eventually they'll get the feel of it and, and become a, a larger part. Like I said, with footy, I was running water and that's all I did. And then I became the team manager in the in the season after. It's it's one of those processes that um, people are timid at start because they don't know what they're doing. However, you know, if you, if you make people welcome um, a volunteer in um, they'll you know they'll, they'll take on more eventually so just give them little bits put them on the barbecue um, you know find their skill sets and, and and use them to your advantage because in the end yeah. they want to be recognized like everyone else just finally Dominic do you reckon if you've got a healthy base of volunteers and it's all running well and there's no toxic behavior happening or one person that's too bossy and dominant do you win more? I'm not saying it's about winning, right? But does it lead to better on-field, on-court play? I, I think so. You're always going to get toxic people. You're always going to get people that are bossy. But um, sometimes, like I said, pull on those strings and use them to your benefit. Um, and it, at the end of the day, basketball is a growing sport. They love it. And at the end of the day, I just think they want to be part of a sport that they love. So, Good on you, John. Mick. Thanks for your time. Awesome stuff. No Dominic Pear, there's the president of the Loxton Amateur Basketball Association Committee. So many texts, Jeremy Story Carter, on this. Not just sporting clubs that need volunteers. My mum was in her 80s and still volunteering for multiple groups in a country town. She had to give it away for health reasons, and two of those groups have now closed. We need to support Scouts, the Council Council, the CFA, SES, Alliance, Apex, you name it. And that's what keeps community bonded together. That's from Bruce. And we know across the board that there is a shortage of volunteers. It's not just in sporting clubs. It's filtering its way down through the community. Yeah, that's that's right. And I think that you see that quite uh, acutely in smaller areas. But at the same time, um, you see that idea that those who are involved still really value it. They just sort of need that support. So um, it's, a, it's a funny tension point. I did like this. Um, a great topic, such an important way to build community, says one text. Definitely the same face as volunteering, but my 84-year-old uh, mum says nothing has changed. Yeah. It's always been like that. The biggest time factor for a junior footy time uh, manager is child safety regulations. Very important, of course, but there needs to be a better way to streamline the process. I have um, heard from a number of people that these efforts to make things, um, I suppose, safer, better insurance, better regulations, all the things that we would actually want, unfortunately in this moment seem to have added a, a particular admin burden that when it's coming on you know, a parent or somebody on a Saturday morning means that half their morning is spent sort of yeah. with forms that just feel a little bit overwhelming. I've, I've absolutely heard that as a through line for a number of people is a big turnoff. And something that we haven't touched on a lot today, but it's certainly coming through on the text line, is that not everybody not only doesn't have the time, but doesn't work those hours that are conducive to being able to volunteer in local sports. So if you work in the healthcare sector, if you work night shift or whatever it may be, or you're working two jobs, or you're a single parent. There are all of these aspects that come into if and why and how you can use your time to volunteer. And you don't want to be made to feel guilty for that. That's like exactly that's really right. tough. And so you don't want the answer to that be to pull a kid out of sport because exactly. you personally feel guilty because you can't you literally cannot be there. 
Um, that said, I do like a few of the suggestions that have been coming in for a collective noun of um, <laughs> uh, of volunteers. So we've had a commitment of volunteers, sounds pretty good. A blessing of volunteers or a godsend from Patsy in Elwood. Um, I did like a constellation of volunteers. Um, I think an army or a crew is also pretty popular up there. Professor Rochelle Imey is a sports scientist at Victoria University and Federation University. And you've been looking into the impacts of volunteers in our community, in particular in our community sporting clubs, Rochelle. Why is there a decline? I mean, it feels like there's so many different issues at play here. Yes, good morning. Yeah, there's a decline often because, like our last caller alluded to too, that there's a lot of tasks that need to be done and there's often more policies and practices that need to be you know, done and that does include um, a lot of administration and, and often is it is left to quite a few. And how do we get around that, though? Because you can see that people... It's not like we're having a conversation about people not wanting to send their children to, you know, community sport or people not wanting to be involved, but yet we keep coming back to this sort of same idea of um, too much for too few. Yep. I think we can break down the volunteer roles into smaller parts um, and so you get more people doing smaller things. Communicate expectations. So if parents or a family are coming new to a club, they might not sort of know what needs to be done and what the expectations are you know for example if your child's playing here you're expected to contribute to one canteen duty and and a timekeeping thing um i also think we we should set um make sure we have the skill sets and, and match those so for example asking parents you know who, who has a coaching degree or or you know physical education degree rather than sometimes the gender biases that we have where mum gets the canteen roster mm-hmm. and, and dad gets the, the, the footy umpiring thing. Um, getting youth involved, peer mentoring, um, succession planning is a, is a big issue that it's the parents of the kids often that are older and maybe quite good at the sport that take on those major roles. As soon as that child leaves, generally that, that parent leaves that role and we need to make sure that we have that succession planning so that people feel comfortable on taking on those roles. Can we drill down a little bit on this idea of admin and checks and the things that, you know, we we understand why they're being introduced, but is that a real thing? Because a lot of people are are mentioning this both on text line and and sort of directly that, um, you know, as as well-intentioned as they are, a a number of the sort of checks and registrations that are required are just becoming such an unmanageable burden. Yeah, obviously through COVID, there was a lot of extra burden going on. But sort of now as, as we'll come, there are a lot of sometimes new policies, but some of these are so important, such as so, child safety and protection. So, you know, that, that may mean more work to a club, but it's really yeah, it's important that these things yeah. it has to be done. But I think we could also look at shared services. Sort of why do you need sort of one canteen manager per club where you could have maybe a, a paid position across the association um, why have one person sort of organising uniforms for one club when it could be a shared yeah, service? So I think semi-professional or, or semi-paid roles, shared services, um, you know, sharing the The semi-paid load. thing is interesting, Rochelle, because quite a few people have said, well, why should I volunteer when the players get paid at some level of football, when some roles are paid? So maybe it's looking at trying to spread out which roles are paid and maybe a few yeah. more need to be added to that list. Yeah. Well, firstly, don't don't play pay players to, to run around and, and kick a red share in community sport. I think that can actually divide and 
um, and the actual community essence of, of what sport is, buying in players. But in terms of other roles, I've seen it locally in my boys' footy club. They had someone volunteering on the canteen manager, which is a big role every week. Um, and then they had a paid position, you know, not, not exorbitant amounts, and that person has been able to really amplify the financial gains um, because they're providing a really mm. good service um, and the financial gains have been astronomical. So I, I, I do think that there is going to sometimes be tension, but why not maybe waiver fees or if a coach has to pay for a coaching course, you know, waiver those fees. I remember my mum used to umpire netball and, and when we'd sort of finished playing, she still kept umpiring, but she had to pay to go into the gate. To I go say, happens in yeah, our place. do not like that at all. <laughs> I don't does know why not make I feel sense. funny about that. I'm like, okay, I watch someone in my household volunteer a lot of their time, but then we still pay to get in. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. And you know that it's all going in the right <laughs> know, sort of direction. I, I do actually like that idea of rather than having things paid, just actually, you know, if you're a volunteering, you know, member of the, the club or you've got a child in that that club that it lessens the fees. I almost feel like people would be more inclined to do it. That's on, probably more important now than ever on, as the, well. on that basis. Um, we've had a few uh, texts about it, this one in particular from David in Melbourne. In a way, bureaucratic intervention in just about every part of our lives has made volunteering sometimes really difficult. Likens it a bit to you know having a uh, food handling certificate to run a cake stall. Um, is there an issue where it comes to say? a centralised um, administrative body or, you know, football body that's run in Melbourne sort of trying to put out, um, you know, policies for somewhere up in northern Victoria or something like that. Is there a bit of a disconnect in, in that area? Look, I think it's always difficult. You've got maybe a state-based organisation, you know, in Melbourne and, you know, tens of thousands of clubs. But we also, too, are lucky in Victoria that we do have regional sports assemblies. So they're sort of a, a local go-to to help with the capacity of clubs you know, strategic planning, policy development and implementation, a whole range of different things they can do to help out their local clubs. Um, but I think, yeah, sports probably, you know, need to make sure that they do focus on um, the capacity building and and the support for their volunteers um, rather than just focusing mm. on, you know, the, the elite game and, and, and broadcasting rights. Good to speak with you, Rochelle. Thank you. Thank you very much. Professor Rochelle Imes for the Sports Scientist at Victoria University and Federation Uni. John's called through from Maidstone. Morning, John. Yeah, good morning, guys. Really enjoying this discussion today. Very important. Um, I just thought I'd give my perspective. I've been involved with a sporting club from a senior management perspective um, where we sort of encompassed several different sports within the one community sporting club. And there seems to be some deficits here from a management perspective as far as organising volunteers. And every single, every one of these clubs pay fees to sporting sporting organisations and they, they make a lot of money, like your, your AFL organisation, your soccer organisation, netball and all this, and so on and so on. But there's no, there's no engagement from these organisations from a volunteering perspective. And, you know, there's, there, there could be an off-the-shelf template for volunteering. It's for funny you say clubs. that, John, because there's a text here that's sort of singing a similar tune that says, good morning, I've got the pleasure of joining this conversation from Bendigo. There's a sports focus in central Victoria that we're experiencing a changing of the guard with spring club volunteers. The pandemic saw older volunteers leave their role and the younger replacement volunteers would rather be project-based than commitment-based for a long-term traditional role. The volunteers today aren't so much 
much scarce, they're just not as skilled and as time available. And I do wonder whether, like John at Maidstone said, Jeremy, whether there is kind of a template, that thing of changing of the guard, handing down, mentoring, this is big stuff. Well, and also what you get there in that that idea is the idea of almost, um, you know, a creep of a job. Like you you start to have what's, you know, start as a committee member, but suddenly they become known as the person who does this, this, this and this. And it can actually, the job blows out to such an enormous degree that it feels like it's very hard for anyone else to take that on. Mm. And probably the individuals may not want to uh, take on that level of responsibility, but something a little bit more defined, a little where the roles are a little bit more discreet and can be sort of done in a smaller window that doesn't involve committing your whole non-working life to it, I think seems to be pretty important. You're with Rochelle Hunt and Jeremy Story Carter. Jeremy is a part of the National Regional Reporting Team. We're looking at the state of volunteers in your local sports club. How healthy is it at the moment? And if you don't have enough volunteers, is the future of your club, is it on shaky ground? Paul Trapini is the former, notice we're having a lot of former presidents today. I think there's something in that, but he's the former president of the Bandura Junior Footy Club. Paul, welcome back to the Conversation Hour. Too much on too few? Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, it is that. Um, the, the club, I'm no longer involved with the club. I was there from 2008 till just last year. And, yeah, it just seems that uh, there's a combination of things. I bring it down to uh, time is the big one. Uh, a lot of a lot of people, when I first started, yeah. didn't have the luxury of... Uh, you know, double rates at their work on a Sunday or going to the MCG to watch a footy match, which has always been. But a lot of those people tend to not commit to anything early in the season because they know that they're two things that they want to have the freedom to do. And I think that's a big thing in, in 2023 that there's so much more going on on weekends. When I was a kid, there was not much alternative to sport. going to your child's <laughs> junior sport yeah. um, game. But there's so much there. Um I think now, and um, you know, unfortunately, there's a, a lot of in our club. There are a lot of uh, split families, and you may have one parent one week and the other parent the next mm. week, and they, you know, some sometimes it's um, in fairness to them that they couldn't make it to everything, so they didn't want to volunteer there. And then I think the big one in the last probably five years, just before COVID, we noticed things were dropping off um, with the. Uh, increase in rules and especially uh and i know the uh working with children check was a very important thing and it's just it scared a lot of people away and not not for the obvious reason that they'd be scared away just for the reason that it was more paperwork that they'd have to do you'd give somebody a form that they have to bring back and you'd never see them again yeah i think that seems to be uh yeah pretty consistent through line on top of that i suppose how um like, is it still as much fun? Part, part of the reason you give your time is because you want to be part of something is, positive. Of but but it well, does feel as well the more professional things get, the more serious and kind of administrative it all feels, the less fun you're likely to have in that sort of context. Well, that's true. You did mention, uh, some of your callers have mentioned it, uh, having somebody handle the administration. That's always a great idea. We, um, we've always had a, a great group of coaches and volunteers that love nothing more than actually focusing on the team and getting the, the kids to the to the games. Like I'm only talking about junior football. I'm sure it varies with different sports and clubs. But, you know, little things like um, not everybody has a car. So mm. you get a coach that would uh, be happy to, 
you know, t- take one or two of the players that their parents couldn't get them to the other side of town for an away game. And you see that passion just set in that a lot of the coaches really love doing it, but they're crippled because of the red tape that goes with it. And, you know, you can't field a team unless I think we, you have about seven volunteers that have to actually be around the game coaching or goal umpire or boundary umpire. Years ago, the worst I ever saw was our uh, one of our presidents was um, uh, goal umpiring his under-11 son's game and running a quarter of the boundary line at the same time. Yeah, not really sure how you do that. No, no, I, I was confused watching it. But it was just something that. <laughs> and the idea of away games. It, yeah, you know, I mean, that might be one thing if you're in suburban Melbourne, but an away game in regional Victoria could be a hundred k's. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and if you've as a couple of texters have mentioned, um, if you've got multiple kids who potentially play different sports, it's just a logic problem there. Paul, thanks oh, no, for your time. I've got I've got four kids, and they oh. played basketball on a Saturday and football on a Sunday. Oh, terrific! Yeah, I was glad you, to you... come back to work. I got to imagine, Paul. Thanks for your time. Thank Paul you. Trapini is the former president of the Bandura Junior uh, Football Club. Graham Cuskelly is a professor in the Department of Tourism, Sport, and Hotel Management at Griffith University. Why are so many of us reluctant? Do you think, Graham, to throw our hand up and volunteer? Has it just got too complicated? Oh, look, I, I would have to agree with the other speakers that, uh, yeah, that there is a problem here that volunteering is becoming more complex. People are concerned about uh, the amount of risks they put themselves in in terms of taking a volunteer role. Uh, it was mentioned uh, about uh, yeah, doing uh, the child uh, safety sort of checks. Uh, that's another level of complexity. There's other legislation around, around workplace health and safety and safe food handling. You know, response to service of alcohol, all those things are very necessary, but people look at those things and go, whoa, this is a bit too complex and, uh, you know, I'm putting myself in the firing line if I do something wrong here yeah. as well. So that can be a concern too and, for some volunteers. And this isn't one of those ones where we can just point the finger at one particular person, one particular body or even one particular factor mm. and say, uh, you're to blame, we've got to fix that and then we'll, we'll be right. But what do you think can be done? Because it's not, you know, money gets spent in community sport and regional sport. There are sporting organisations that make money off this stuff too. So what can we actually do to level set this a little bit in and make it a more sustainable thing and a more attractive thing for, for volunteers and clubs to thrive? Yeah, look, it, it is really tricky. I, I mean, some solutions are to to increase the fees and start to buy out some of those tasks that people mm. really don't want to do. So, no. you know, basically contract out the, the canteen or the bar or whatever it might be. Um, and you lose the essence, don't you? If you, I mean, we, you Jeremy and I did a, a, an entire program on school canteens and the ones that are contracted out, they don't always work and people aren't always happy with it and you lose, you lose a bit of the vibe, really, don't you, Graham? Oh, I would have to agree, yeah. I mean, I, a big part of volunteering is feeling part of the community and building those connections to to other people in the community. And uh, if if you don't have the volunteers around, it's just, uh, and I'm not putting business down, but it's just like any other business, uh, you know, it just yeah. operates. So other than contracting out, what else? I mean, we've thrown around the ideas of maybe more people need to be paid. So they're still community members, but maybe they're small you know, a small fee that that somebody receives for donating their time. Is that something you think would work? Uh, look, I, a, a number of larger clubs do have honorariums already for some of those core sort of roles around president, secretary, registrar and so on. 
Uh, and that makes sense because often those people are, uh, look, this is another barrier to volunteering, I guess, is often people are out of pocket. So they're not only putting time in, they're out of pocket financially uh, to do the job. So, so in some ways that makes a lot of sense. I, I've seen the opposite of that as well. Uh, where uh, m- members, when they join up or their kids join up, that they uh, 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 charge a fee. Uh, and if they turn up and do their volunteer tasks during the season, uh, that gets refunded to them at the end of the season. If not, it, it, uh, it's, it's kept with the club as a fundraising sort of activity. So, you know, I, I have seen that. It's a bit confronting for people and might yeah. put uh, potential members off. Not sure well. I love uh, that dynamic. It feels a little bit overbearing. Oh, no, it can be. That's true. But uh, I've seen this in a different community organisation besides sport. But, yep. mm. you know, it's uh, there, there are various solutions. But, you know, it, it does fall back to those core volunteers. They're highly involved. They're often highly altruistic. They take on more tasks, as was mentioned. Uh, and then they say, oh, it's time for me to sort of step down. And people look, oh, my God, I can't do all that sort of work. <laughs> mm. um, so I, we look at volunteers quite often as core and, uh, and uh, we call it peripheral. So you get people doing small tasks. And uh, as they pick those small tasks up, they might want to feel, they feel more involved. And then they might take on a little bit more and uh, eventually build up into a more uh, a named sort of role, so to speak, rather than just helping out as a general sort of helper. So Yeah, it can be, almost become a victim of the success where you've got um, somebody who's so identified with a role or a club and they seem to put in an impossible number of hours and then people from outside think, well, I couldn't possibly ever live up to that. Yes. So sometimes um, breaking it down into small parts is the key. I mean, do, do we... The, the sporting organisations themselves, particularly the ones that tend to be more centralised in cities, do they know that this is a problem? Because everyone else seems to. Um, look, I, it's, it's highly variable, I think. I mean, the, the culture that exists in certain clubs are inclusive and have lots of people sort of helping out, but, but others are sort of struggling. I mean, the other factors, of course, is we've come through the COVID sort of crisis where everyone sort of disappeared and sport sort of came, became into a shutdown sort of mode largely. Um, yeah, and then the unemployment rate is yeah. really low. So, uh, and and uh, you've either got two income households where people are busy, or single parent households where also people are extremely busy. So they just can't sort of find the time to do what they need to do. Yeah, that's coming and through. I guess really in the rural communities, uh, you know, people. Uh, well, at one stage there was the sort of tree change thing happening during COVID, but uh, I've read some recent reports that's sort of reversed and people are going back towards the cities so and you know. then there's been a few texts as well that are saying if you move to a regional area then it should be mandatory that you somehow get involved or volunteer in one of the local sporting groups graham cuss kelly thanks so much for your time Oh, you're welcome. Thanks Thanks for having me on the show. Emeritus Professor at the Department of Tourism, Sport and Hotel Management at Griffith University. Judy is in the Mornington Peninsula. Jeremy and Rochelle, my dad was a primary school principal. We moved all around Victoria. Every town we lived in, they expected him to be a part of the sporting community. He either played, he coached or he umpired. He was often the treasurer. But this also enabled us to settle down into our new town. Super important. And when you think back to what Nadia was sort of painting us, that picture of... On a good day, the cars are backed up to the footy ground. The you know the horns are honking. We're feeling that good sense of being in a community, of being part of something bigger than just ourselves. And that connective tissue, when it's there, is so important. And when it's lost, it can really, as we've talked about, threaten the health of a, a community. So we need to make, find a way to make it work. Jeremy Story Carter, as always, thank you. Thank you. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Take care.